When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this podcast. And this podcast is Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball, but also other things. Oh, my God. How did it take this long for us to come up with this? Um... I am recording on the road in Sacramento, so if you hear some construction sounds, that is the sound of Sacramento's construction ban being lifted. Apparently, there was like a regulation keeping uh, restricting construction downtown, and that was recently lifted. I don't know the politics of that yet, um, but so now there's just construction all over the place. A new soccer stadium and a new uh, hospital which is hopefully good, uh, but also, like, I just, to have a tangent on hospitals real quick, I said something on Twitter recently because an issue in Los Angeles, and I'm sure in other metropolitan places that are listening, um, but this does relate to the more rural areas, like, in Los Angeles, there's, like, this one hospital section in Los Feliz, which is the neighborhood I used to live in, and they are just expanding and tearing down so many places one of which is uh the theater that was used for a lot of the first season of take my wife also the second season but um we we used a lot of that theater for different locations um in take my wife it's now gone because they're just going to build a parking structure um and then they tore down this other area that was like completely not developed but putting in a parking structure these are places where in Los Angeles we could really use some high density housing, you know? Um, there was literally a tent city outside of the second place I mentioned. And I, I would go past there and see people, you know, uh, trying to get by and living on the sidewalk in front of just a, literally a vacant warehouse thinking like, at least let the p- these people stay inside. Like, why not? It's just sitting there. Um, and then the hospital, I guess, bought it or got it. And now it's just going to be a parking structure. And look, I understand the need for parking for a hospital. I'm not saying don't do that, but take a second and stop and look at why the density of parking is such at a hospital. It's because there's not enough hospitals. So what if instead of expanding parking for this hospital we expanded funding for you know smaller more urgent cares or maybe i don't know expanding the concept of an urgent care into a 
practice or something. Um, you know, like we, the, the demand for hospitals is very high and the supply is increasingly low. I feel like, um, (laughs) I, I also like, I am a person like the city that I am from Akron, Ohio is completely owned by a healthcare system, not an insurance company, a healthcare system. Um, and I have seen what it does, not just to like a city, but also to people. And it's, this is a, an issue that I am literally just sitting on a bar stool thinking out loud about, but I don't think I'm super far off base. People got very upset with me that I was like saying there shouldn't be parking for hospitals, which is not what I was saying. I was trying to say like, let's pull the lens out just a little bit and widen the scope and like, look at what it is that we're building, why we're building it. And if there's another way, maybe we build more of the original thing so that there's less people going to just that one location is what I was trying to say, but whatever, everybody reads what they want to read and then they react that way. And I am one of those people. So I'm not above that. I don't think I'm any better or worse than anybody else uh, on the planet. And I mean, speaking of better or worse, holy shit, what a week in baseball. And I'm sorry that this episode took me a while to get to. It was a bit of personal things happening in my life. And then also honestly feeling like I wanted like one more news thing to come out because it felt like, well, okay, well, we've got the rookie of the year. Now the Saya, now we got the MVP and it's like, plus all these sort of like, I mean, one thing is a huge scandal. The other thing is more of like, uh, we knew this was going to happen. We didn't think it was going to happen this way. Um, and I'll take the second part first. Um, cause there's a lot to cover in this episode. The second part first is me referring to the uh, Washington Nationals um, White House visit. Now, I had a very brief episode on the Washington Nationals win, and I feel like it's something that maybe on this podcast, which I want to let everybody know is essentially going to go to a bi-weekly schedule in the offseason. And I hope everybody sticks around because I'm going to keep doing it. And having a bi-weekly schedule allows for more stuff to get put together to talk about because I I don't think we've ever been like a huge, you know, numbers and money podcast here. Um, and I, the movie thing was very difficult because it's just hard to get guests around the holidays. People are out of town. People are really taking time off from stuff and, um, movie podcasts are tough. (laughs) I did one for a bunch of years. I think it was three years and they're more time consuming than you think because, not only do you have to record the podcast, which is if the podcast is an hour, then you add just about an hour, a half an hour on each end of that. And you got to also watch the movie. So difficult. Um, I, I do think I'd love to cover like one movie or maybe one episode that's like talking about baseball movies. Cause I feel like the battered bastards of baseball is a, is a movie that needs to be talked about on this podcast. Cause I feel like That movie aligns with this podcast the most out of all of them, even though you might think it would be a league of their own. But I think that the documentary that is a true story about independent baseball um, and uh, like fighting the good fight might be the one that fits a little bit better. However, I I love a league of their own. Don't get me wrong. But I personally am on a little bit of a league of their own like burnout. I love it. It's great. But I'm I'm good for a minute (laughs) for just a minute. 
Oh, uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about the movie. Just means it won't be the first one up. Maybe it'll be the cleanup hitter. You know what I mean? Okay, so getting back, you guys love me for my tangents. That's what you came here for. I am drinking coffee during this because I, I, I just I flew on a plane. I'm getting to the age now. The age, I don't know. I'm getting to an age now where anytime I even get on a plane, it really, really takes the life out of me. And it didn't used to be like that. But if you've ever looked at a chip bag or even like a plastic bottle of a drink of some kind and what happens to it on a flight, just remember it's happening to that bottle or that chip bag. It's also happening to your body. As human beings, we think we're like above the circumstances in which we exist, and that is just not the case. So your your insides gets all squished around, and then they're real tired when they expand back out again. So the the Washington Nationals, World Series winners, um, improbable World Series winners, although I would say many people uh, thought that they were just like, they're, they're the team of destiny going into it, maybe going into it definitely after they won those first two games in Houston. Um, but they then didn't feel like it. Then it was like, Oh, well this is over after they lost those three games. Then they won game six and it was like, all right, I don't know. And I still felt like, well, Houston's just going to win because Houston is Houston and we will get to Houston in a little bit. (laughs) Um, I also, uh, you know, in in preliminary shout outs to the Houston portion of this podcast, uh, have been following John Boy a lot more closer, who has also uh, like blown up in regards to baseball because of the scandal. And um, like, I'm happy for him because he like uh, pitching ninja puts together really interesting like media to follow along with every week. And like, the guy works really hard. So it's cool to see people like following that and he's dealing with a lot of shit and it's interesting to watch somebody else have to deal with it, even though I don't deal with that much shit, but people have opinions and it's interesting. Um, but I've been listening to his podcast, uh, with his friend whose name escapes me now. Um, the talking baseball podcast. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) We'll get back to it. Uh, so, Oh yes, they were they were just saying same thing like what's going to happen here? Astros are going to win it. There's just no way and then the Nationals end up pulling off what's the seemingly impossible and now with the information we have this week even more seemingly impossible like even more, even more. And I will say right now for anybody that's still I don't know if somebody's going to check out of the podcast once I start talking about the the Astros scandal that's happening right now. I will just say as a person who does have, look, I'm not a member of the media. I'm not paid by anybody other than like the advertisers of this podcast who do not have an agenda. And it's not, I mean, it's this, this, this podcast is a labor of, I do it because I want to do it. And because some people like it, I don't know how many, I appreciate everybody that likes it. I don't have an agenda. I am a baseball fan though. I've never claimed to be like a neutral sports media caster. Well, you know what I mean? Like I've never claimed to, this is also not a podcast about particular teams, but I have not been shy about the teams that I care about. Um, and 
with the the information that's out now, I have to say that at least the Chicago Cubs, while having a domestic abuser on their roster and on the mound in many of the World Series games, at least they won without cheating. I will give them that. Like, it was a fair and square win, even though I think the MLB was pushing for them to win, which is like, fine, they want a winner. That's okay. I don't think it was rigged for them. I don't think any of that. And I don't think they were doing anything that any other teams weren't doing at the time. So that I will concede on as just like a human being. And perhaps I can just put it aside and say, congratulations to the Chicago Cubs on your 2016 world series win. I saw a dude in a Cleveland hat yesterday and it was the block C from 2016 with the world series patch on it. And I was like, Oh, enough time has passed that that person, or maybe just we or me or whatever can feel good wearing that hat and just go like, yep, we made it to the world series. We lost in seven. Who cares? Yes, we were up three to one. You know, like all that shit. Perhaps enough time has passed, which is interesting to me. Um, I have thought about wearing mine because I went to that World Series, you know, like, but whatever. This is all highly personal. Um, But back to the World Series and the Nationals White House visit. Uh, Following their World Series victory, uh, the Washington Nationals visited the White House on Monday, November 4th. And as we already discussed here on Three Swings, um relief pitcher and friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle declined to join the team on the visit. He also was interviewed for the Washington post and gave a lengthy, interesting, honest, thought provoking professional opinion on why he made that decision and how he came to it. And I think not to speak for someone else. However, I feel as though I can in this moment, uh, given what he said, I think it was an immense privilege for somebody to be able to do that, to um, say all the things that he did, which is why he did it, I think. Because um, you don't... All all sort of, what, three years? Um, which also the Cubs... It was weird of the Cubs to have gone to Obama and then also take a trip back and also give Trump a, a uniform. Like, that was just weird. My Cubs shit aside, that was weird and gross and don't like it. Um, it's been interesting that many players have declined this thing and it has felt, you know, political in the way that, like, look, man, personally, I don't want to do this. Um, and we have not had many players of color speaking out about it in baseball specifically. Um, and I feel like perhaps they feel like they can't or don't want to. Um, And so I think there is an amount of privilege there for Sean Doolittle, who's a white player, to be able to put something out there like that to consider going and then not going. But I think that it's also important for someone like him to do what he did, not more important than a player of color not going. I think they're all important. Um... And it's not like a contest for who is doing it better. It's literally just like you do it the way that you do it and you try to do it the best way that you can. Um, and so I think that it was, impo- I, I think he, he raised a lot of human points, you know, because I think that it's very easy 
to look at this and go, of course you wouldn't go. But we're not them. We're not on this team. I don't know what it's like to be any of these guys, and I will never know because I'm not them. I don't know what it's like to be on a baseball team. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be on a professional, but ba- I don't know what it's like to do baseball as a job. I do know what it's like to be on a baseball team. And you want to celebrate the thing with your friends as much as you possibly can. So, like, I get that. I do. And that is a thing. And if you if you don't consider that, this is what I think about this. If you don't consider continuing to celebrate with your teammates, then that guy has taken even the consideration of your other teammates away from you. So you can't give this everything. You can't let all of it be taken away, even if you come to the conclusion that you're not going to celebrate in that way. At the very least, you have considered your teammates, and that is the most important thing because we don't know which of those teammates that did go considered their other teammates. We don't know because they didn't speak out against it because not everybody can, even though they're millionaires, even though not all of them are white. Like, even though not everybody can, not everybody will, not everybody gets to, not everybody could. So I I don't know. It's a tough one. It's very easy to go, well, okay, now they've let us down and they're a terrible team now. I just don't think that's the case. You know, like the Red Sox went, the the Astros went, they were very chummy. I mean, the thing that creeps me out about like the, the Astros and I'll get to the thing that creeps me out about the Nationals too, because I'm not like all in the whatever bucket for the Nationals and they can do no wrong. Is the Verlander golfing with Trump of it all and the like Halliburton and the sort of like all of that shit. It, that is what I don't like. And What I will say is it seemed like some of the guys on the Nationals, which is the case for the Astros and the Red Sox, went because of what the thing is. Do I, am I saying that's fully 100% okay? No. But can I fully 100% say that it's wrong and that every single person, every professional athlete who wants to do this tradition that we now have had is is a white supremacist alt writer? No, because I don't think that's fair, you know? And life isn't fair. Like, life is just not fair, which is why I, I'm trying not to judge all of them for going. Like, I understand, you know? There are things that that organization did do, which is not ask him to throw out a f- first pitch and ask somebody that carries, like, very specific weight in that city uh, is his name Andre Vargas? Like that, that was a specific move. So I don't like, I don't know. Maybe they did just do that for publicity. I don't know. Cause I'm not in their heart. So I don't know, but I don't think you just do that. If you don't know that it means something at the very least, but what was, I mean, like it's hard to discuss privilege. And not like my privilege. I mean, like, it's hard to negotiate all of it because you never know. You do not know what someone else's experience is. Like, do I want to, like, shit on Juan Soto because he wanted to stand on the terrace of the White House? Like, a kid who is the pride of the 
Dominican Republic who has kids, teenagers, all like in a room watching this guy who just won the World Series at the at, at, and and broke records as one of the youngest guys to do all kinds of things in the World Series. Like, no, because and I don't mean this in terms of intelligence. I don't know how much everybody pays attention to what's actually going on because not everybody can. And also as many people should as could, but I can't control everybody. The only thing you can do is be aware of it and do something good, you know? And personally, I think complaining about a team, complaining about allowing something that's inspirational. Like to me, I was inspired by the way that the Washington nationals were playing baseball. I was, I was inspired by it. I talked about it on the last episode before the white house visit. Has that changed? No, it has not changed because I was inspired by the way they played the game. And that doesn't change when they go to the white house. My thoughts on particular players and the way that I liked them has changed a lot because they did things that I really didn't like. And so I just changed my opinion of them. But if we or I let politics in this like dictatorship essentially take away things that inspire me to then live my life in a better way, which is to care about my teammates, express love for my teammates. And by teammates, I mean either my literal teammates or my friends in my life, the people I care about, because that's what baby shark and the way they danced in the dugout and the way they hugged each other and the way they, they said things to each other and the way they played the game that they didn't get defeated, that they weren't, they were just like, all right, our feet are in the dirt right now. I was inspired by that to use that to, you know, quote, fight these things that we're fighting on every day. And I say quote that because I'm not, I'm not out like chaining myself to sacred lands and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting in a tree trying to protect the land from like oil companies. I'm not doing that kind of hard work that people are actually doing. I'm not putting my body on the line every day in some way, shape or form. But I mean, the fight of every day that every single one of us is, is letting evil and sadness win and just becoming defeated by this evil power taking over and making us think, well, everything's over. It's all done. There's no point. I'll just kick my feet up and just wait for it to be over. That's the fight that I'm talking about. And if I let that team going to the White House make me feel like, well, nothing matters, which I've said out, I've said on Twitter about other things. And so, yeah, I've, I've fallen victim to it. But some, the, the way that I said nothing matters before was kind of like the things you think matter don't. Is, is probably what I should have said um, in regards to a certain um, talk show host hanging out with a certain war criminal at a certain professional sports game. But if I let something that I see truly matter to me, which is simply this, teamwork and not giving up, and those are things that anybody can do, you know? If I let that get taken away or I give it away, and say, well, 
That wasn't real. None of that was worth it. Then that guy, that belief system, that nihilism wins. And I just don't want that to win. I just don't. That's not a fight that I want to give up because I just don't think it's true. Now, Sean Doolittle declined to join the team on the visit. 17 other players on the 40-man roster also declined to visit. And those team players are Ronis Elias, Rowdy Reed, Trace Barrera, Anthony Rendon, Javi Guerra, Joe Ross, Wander Suero, Wilmer Defoe, Michael A. Taylor, Victor Robles, James Bork, Coda Glover, Kyle McGowan, Austin Williams, Carter Keyboom, Jake Knoll, and Adrian Sanchez. Uh, the contingent of Nats who visited the White House, which was barely half of the team, received widespread backlash for being too chummy with the president. Most notably, catcher Kurt Suzuki donned a MAGA hat when he took the podium as Trump embraced him. Now, that's bench coach Brett's writing, and I want to give a shout-out to him for giving me notes every single week. So this is not a knock on my friend, because I care about my friend. But I would not say that that was an embrace. That part of it was what I found to be the most upsetting. Um, I was initially incredibly upset seeing Kurt Suzuki put on a MAGA hat. I do, however, you know, people were saying like, wow, I'm surprised that Kurt Suzuki is a white supremacist. And like, this is so dicey to say because I know what's going on. Just like, you know, what's I see what's going on, but it is this moment where eventually... A broken clock is right twice a day, which is that, fuck, man, not every single person that is chummy with the president is a white supremacist. Like, I really, really, really highly doubt that Kurt Suzuki is like a Breitbart reading New Republic, like whatever this shit is, like Fox News living and breathing white supremacist. I do think he's a... Uh, maybe a Republican to, a, to, to whatever extent these are, it's a, it's a good reminder of how conservative baseball is specifically baseball, how Republican it is and how white it is. Now, Kurt Suzuki is not a white man. He's not a white person. Uh, he is an Asian American person. He's from Hawaii. Um, he's an Asian American Hawaiian person in that he's from Hawaii, not Hawaiian with it, which is an ethnicity. Um, who knows? I don't know his exact, uh, family history is the words I'm looking for, but it is interesting that when you see that, because to me that illustrates the whiteness that is pervasive within baseball, that it sort of seeps into anything. Now, is that white supremacy? Absolutely. Is he participating in it? Absolutely. Is he a white supremacist? Not totally sure. I think that that is a guy who was super excited to be around a famous dude who probably talks a lot like the guys he's around a lot of his life. Um, and, Maybe he voted for that guy. I don't know. And I think he, because he said after, I was just trying to have some fun. Now, I, I get that. I do get it. Do I, am I saying it's okay? No. I just think like we have very high expectations of people. 
And those expectations do not apply to every single person. You know, I, I, I'm not, this is not an, I don't, I'm not like an arbiter of people's behavior. I don't, I'm not gonna, but what I was most disturbed by is the way that Trump grabbed him from behind on what would be and are for, you know, I mean, his breasts. And to me, that was all the evidence I already have of proof that that man is not only a sexual harasser, but an assaulter, a sexual assaulter, and like definitely a rapist, because I don't think that you joke around about shit like that if you don't also probably do it. Um, and I think also if you are somebody who has been accused by multiple people, literally multiple, like many people have said that he has grabbed them, that he has forced them into corners, that he has raped them, multiple people. And if you are someone who didn't do that, you probably wouldn't do what you did to Kurt Suzuki. You know, this is just like pretty much common sense to me. And like seeing him do that, because to me, if you, if you would show that much, cause that's disrespectful to me, it's disrespectful to Kurt Suzuki. It's disrespectful to the idea of women, you know, <laughs> the concept of women. Um, it's disrespectful to the audience in front of them. It's disrespectful to the game of baseball. To me, it's disrespectful to the world series. It's disrespectful to the team. And I mean, they clearly didn't agree with me because they're all laughing. And if you remember Christine Blaisley, Dr. Christine Blaisley Ford's testimony, something that stuck with me a lot was her comment about the laughter. And the way those men were laughing with each other is that kind of laughter. And I really, really didn't like it. And yeah, it changed my perception of those players. It made me think less of them as people. It didn't make me think less of them as the players that they were in the World Series. But in that moment, it made me think less of them as human beings. And I also have empathy because you're in a moment and you just have a snap reaction because we're all just animals. And in a moment, I've, I've laughed at things I wish I hadn't laughed at in a moment because I was uncomfortable. So I also have that, which is why I'm not saying like I hate all of them and they're terrible and throw them out in the trash. But it also was just reminiscent of that. It's like, oh, right. Oh, right. I'm not a part of this. And I never will be. And honestly, I don't want to be a part of that. But I'm not a part of this thing that you're doing. And this is a thing that you do to keep us out of wh where you are right now. Because you don't want us here. Because <laughs> if you did, you wouldn't do that kind of shit. I was also pretty upset by what Ryan Zimmerman said. But, it, I mean, you look at the guy and you're like, oh, I'm not surprised. You wish it was different. It's like, you just... I see how he's also trying to be like America's sweetheart and the good old Mr. National that he is and say the right thing to the president, but also like, dude, that dude is not doing any of the things that you said. Like, let's just be real honest. Politics aside, he's not doing either. So, <laughs> whatever, dude. 
Um, I was real bummed to see Davey Martinez reacting the way that he did because I really, I really kind of fell for that guy in the whole process of the postseason. But um, you know, it just I, I don't I it's a thorny thing, and I hope I made some points that made sense to some people. Cause I, you know, if I see somebody in a nationals hat, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you're a mega hit. It's like unfair. It's unfair. It's unfair. Maybe unfair is not the word. It's just, it's not cosmically right to let the visit to the White House then change the feeling on the win, you know? Um, It's not fair to the fans, and it's not fair to the people that were around, and it's not fair to the other players, you know? I do actually believe Kurt Suzuki that he was just trying to have fun, but, like, is this thing about fun or is it about like respecting the office or is it about dignity? It's like you guys are all over the place with what you're saying it's about, which is why we're like, why are you doing this? You don't even know why you're doing it. You're doing it because we don't want you to, which is goes right back to my original thing, which is like you clearly all the ways that this guy operates are evidence to me that he assaults people and it's disgusting it's disgusting that a person like that gets to hold an office like that and it's disgusting that he receives any amount of respect and so yeah it does lower my feelings on those guys that went it makes me it makes me it makes me respect them less it makes me respect them less and i respect these guys that didn't go anthony rendon sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle, Victor Robles, Michael A. Taylor. I already respected the shit out of Michael A. Taylor for diving for that ball in center field as the, for the last out in the NLDS when, like, the, he didn't have to. They could have gotten another out. The Dodgers already gave up. I already respected the shit out of that guy for that because that's baseball right there. But I respect the shit out of that guy for not going. You know, like, that's what I will do. Instead of saying, like, duh, 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 these guys are this, whatever, he's a that. I don't know. I don't know what he is. But will I? what I do know is that I respect them less as baseball players and as people. And I respect these guys a lot more than I did before. I already respected them for the way they played the game in the postseason. And I respect them a lot more for their decision to not participate in something that is so clearly, obviously disgusting to me. And I haven't even gotten into the politics of it because we all, we know how bad the policy is, what all of this, the criminality of it, like, it's just, I don't even need to get into it. It's bad. It's bad. And I'm, I wasn't kidding when I called it a dictatorship. I mean, I could, there's too many things to point to. You can pick any one and it's bad. It's incredibly bad. So there's about 300 things that are happening every day that you're like, I don't know how it's all bad. It's all incredibly bad. So that's why I say like, instead of focusing and living off of the, the negative or the canceling of it, I have to look at the positive which is who's doing good, who's inspirational, and how do you do more good? Because there is good in the world and we have to put more into it because we can't 
stop all of the evil. The only way you can stop all the evil is by putting more good into the world and having it outweigh the bad. And that's just my humble opinion. We'll be right back with the the perhaps bigger news of the week right after this. I've had a Quip toothbrush for very long, and I'm still loving it. I'm still using it. I bring it on the road with me. It's my one of my favorite things, and it's so simple and easy to use, and it looks cool. I don't know. I feel like I'm fancy. I like feeling fancy. You know, I don't know if you do, but it makes me feel like, I don't know, an adult who's fancy. Uh, Quip, makers of the Quip electric toothbrush, wants you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care. It is simply this. That if you have good habits, you are good. What? Can you believe that? Wow. I have good habits. I guess that means I'm good. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations that you can definitely feel with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough. Wow, that's very helpful. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always right. My routine is always right. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at $25. And if you get Quip.com baseball, right now you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash baseball. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash baseball. Quip, the good habits company. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. So there's like two two news things that people really wanted me to talk about. And one of them is that Gabe Kepler was hired by the San Francisco Giants. And he was fired by the Phillies. And I have not done my due diligence on that guy and Zaidi enough to satisfy people who want me to talk specifically about it. Um but I, I, I brought up the John Boy podcast before I listened to them and their opinion on it is one that I agree with, which is that I think he was hired to get fired by the Giants that like Bochy's just going to come back in like a year or two. And uh, I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense from a business point of view, like hire somebody that people aren't going to fall in love with. And then also the sort of venture capitalist Silicon Valley of San Francisco, maybe they get a new audience through that but I do think that like man the Giants fans are not going to be happy about they're already not happy about this he's not a good manager and uh his 
involvement in covering up sexual assault in the Dodger organization, which I also, uh, is disgusting. And I have not mentioned enough on this podcast. I don't think, um, he recently was quoted. Like I've been talking to my mom about it a lot more and I should have talked, I should have talked to my mom more when this was going on. Come on, dude, this, that, that, that thing is, are you out of your mind? First of all, why, why would you make your mom deal with that? You know, it's your job. It's your job. Why would you bring up that shit to your mom? And why make her, you got it. No. When people say, listen to women, they don't mean dump on a, the woman you're most related to and have her tell you what to do. That's, and, and also that's not what he means. He's just saying something to make people think something. He's not saying that because he means it. Because if you meant it, you would go, wow, I really fucked up. But nobody takes responsibility for a goddamn thing that they do anymore. Anymore. It's bonkers. And we'll get into that even more in just a second. Because, like, to me, if I was a manager or in a managerial position of anything... And I found out that my employees or my players on my team had raped someone or tried to. The only person I would be talking to is the police and then that player and saying, we have a problem here and you're not going anywhere until we figure this out. I I don't need to talk to anybody else about what's going on. I don't need to get counsel from my mom. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it's bullshit and it's, 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 you can see right through it. And it's so funny that these guys just have this script that they go to now as a father of a daughter. Oh, shut up, shut up and take some responsibility. If you're the father of a daughter, you should take some responsibility every now and then. Absolutely ridiculous. People, it's, it's ridiculous to me. (laughs) Um, So it's shocking to me that he has a job especially given what he did with the Phillies this year, uh, which is nothing. Um, But, you know, the same guys, they just like, I don't know, they chum around and then they make friends and they get hired. They keep their jobs. Because, like, I'm just beginning to wonder if jobs are even a real thing. I mean, there's most, most people who have a job work that job and they work their ass off on that job. And that's it. But these high-level people, quote-unquote high-level people, most of them are just get inserted in there and they collect a paycheck until they retire at 50. And then they write a book. And then their foundation buys it in bulk so that they can have it come out as a big seller. And then they just, I don't know, what, give them away? Charge people double for them or something? Who gives a shit, you know? So I guess we'll we'll get a little more into like Kepler and Zaidi and uh, trades and free agents and stuff in the next episode. I want to like save that stuff because of what we have to talk about in this episode. But I feel for you Giants fans that you have to deal with that guy because like gross, you know, gross, gross what he did in the Dodgers organization with other people that are probably part of it still, which is why I feel totally cool taking a little if not a lot of separation from being considered to be a fan of that team anymore. Um, I still love baseball. I still love 
players and I'll go see that team. But like, I'm good. I can pump the brakes on that a little bit. I don't need to have a, a team be my identity necessarily. Um, and that's an interesting place to be. I don't need to like the fandom of my team is not quintessential to my identity. And I don't know that it w- ever fully was with uh, the Dodgers, but people seem to think it is. And they will continue to think that cause I can't stop everybody from thinking things, but I don't think I need to have a team that identifies me anymore. You know what I mean? That's just kind of where I'm at. Like straight up, I bought a Nationals World Series hat because I love the way they played the game. And like my friend Mike wears different pro teams hats all the time because he has a handful of favorite. And I don't think he's less of a baseball fan because of it. In fact, I think he's more of one. And like I respect the shit out of it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not wearing that hat because I love what they did at the White House. But somebody might think that and I can't control it. But let's get into the biggest story. Perhaps one of the biggest sports scandals, like, and I mean sports scandals, uh, in a while. Uh, the Astros, I, I don't even know if I can say allegedly at this point. I think it's the, the Astros have been stealing signs. And sign stealing is something that is in the game. It's always been in the game. It's happening all the time. I'm not naive. Also, everyone's talked about it. So it's not crazy that the Astros are stealing signs. It's crazy the way that the Astros are stealing signs. And what came out recently is that uh, the Astros have been stealing signs electronically. I will just say up top so that I don't harp on it a super long while. I knew something was going on with this team. And people thought I was, it was sour grapes or whatever. And people, and I don't mean just people on the internet, but I also mean people on the, I mean, actual people that I actually know. I would be like, I just, there's something about this, about this team. I just don't like them. I just don't like them. And they would be like, well, how can you not like Altuve? And how can you not like Spring? Come on, blah, blah, blah. And pointing at all these things. And I was like, I don't know, man. It's just a feeling that I don't like. And it was this. It was, and now you look back and you see these interviews and the, like AJ Hinch on the whistling of, if we knew we could get to the Yankees by whistling, we would have done that in spring training. All that shit is so smug now. It looks, and that's what it was. And hey, if you think the Dodgers are smug or you think Cleveland is smug, that's fine. That's fine. It's fine. But I didn't like what they were doing because I felt like it had to do, it It was the way they played the game and I didn't, I didn't like it. There was something wrong and I haven't gone back and watched the 2017 World Series because why the fuck would I? It was heartbreaking for me. I was a big fan of that Dodgers team in 2017. They meant a lot to me that year. I was going through a lot. My TV show got whatever. I don't even know what it wasn't even canceled. The network just disappeared overnight. I was really sad. And watching that Dodger team have that season helped me get through that time. Now, should I use something outside of myself like that? 
No, that's the lesson that I've learned because it will break your goddamn heart. But if there's no heartbreak in life, then there's no happiness in life. So I also had to learn that lesson. But knowing that they were doing this shit in game five breaks my heart. It also like, and I'm being brutally honest by saying that to go back and, and realize like that a team's chance at a world series title was essentially taken from them because it, this wasn't just like, Oh, they got their signs. They tipped their pitches. Like fuck man, they cheated hardcore. And I am also speaking as a baseball fan because I, I'm not, I'm like right now, I'm not like a Dodger fan. I'm just a baseball fan. Right now, watching these videos, it honestly makes me sick. It truly does. And this is, take set the teams aside. I don't know how I would feel if it was one of the teams that I've loved, if it was Cleveland doing this. I don't know how I would feel. I don't know, because that's not what's happening. But I will say, as a baseball fan, it truly makes me sick. And again, it's not... Sign stealing has been around. It's an advantage. If you can figure that out with your eyeballs and tell somebody, you do it. I get that. I truly do. It's been around. Ever since we invented signs, we invented sign stealing. Cause and effect. But this kind of pitch-by-pitch pitch shit is, 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 is a disgrace. It truly is. So My teammate said to me, this is like on the level of the Black Sox scandal. It is. It is. I believe that regardless of which teams it is. And everybody's like, well, everybody else is doing it. They're not. We have not found out. We know that the Boston Red Sox were using electronics. They were using Apple Watches in the dugout. They were punished for that. I think they were probably cheating in 2018 too, because it felt like it. Because cheating is a thing you don't... If you're cheating well, you can't see it while it's happening. You have to figure it out later. And that's the grossness of this thing almost said crime, but like, we're not in a court of law, but you can't because you're getting cheated and you don't know because you don't know. Cause it's working, you know, but it's a feeling and I could feel it. That's what I'm talking about is I could feel that there was something wrong. Something else was up with you Darvish. And I don't remember the things that I said about that picture. I was mad. I can't remember if I said bad things about him. I hope I didn't. Because it is just a game. But I will say that that second one, when he got pulled an inning and a third, I was like, there is something wrong. And it was this. And it's disgusting. Because I just think, and to the fans of that franchise I, that that are not getting super defensive on the internet and stuff like that, like I've, I made a joke, Astros more like asterisks, because... I'm also a comedian, and so sometimes I make jokes about things, and people are like, I hope you don't, you're not going to Houston anytime because you give them so much shit, and it's like, I'm making a joke about a thing that's actually happening, and I love Houston. I've had a great time there, had some great shows there. A comic on my recent show like wore an Astros jersey because they heard I like baseball, and I was like, hey, man, that's really cool. Like, I'm not an asshole. I'm just a person who says things publicly, and like, Fuck man. I don't I don't know what it's like to be an Astros fan. You your heart must be broken right now. I can't imagine how this would feel. Because it's not the same. And if that's the way you want to win, like god damn, that's gross. You know, not not you. I'm not talking to you the Astros fans. It's just like 
the people on the internet who are like, eh, well, you know, whatever, like get over it and all this other shit. Like, do you realize you sound like Trump voters when you say this stuff of like, get over it. The election's over. It's like, no, man, this isn't, you don't like baseball. You don't love baseball. If all you care about is that trophy. Cause like, if you love baseball, you would be like, this is wrong. This is not what the game is about. Because to me, one of the truly, I love baseball and I, I love it in a wide way. I love just being there. I don't have to know everything that's going on. I, 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 that's the way I love baseball. I can just have it on. I can just be part of it. I don't even need to know who's playing. I just love it. I just love it, how it sounds, how it feels, how it looks. I love it. But I also like the microcosm of it. And part of that is a pitcher messing with a batter's timing, a pitcher trying to outguess a batter, and a batter trying to outguess a pitcher. And when you take that away, it's like, I, I, I don't even have work. When I watched that um, Farquad sequence with Evan Gaddis on John Boy's Twitter, it truly made me sick. Like, honestly. And there's a lot of things to be, like, sick about. Like, I'm not walking around still sick about this thing. Um, but when I watched it, I was disgusted. I was actually disgusted by it because that is not baseball. It's just not, it's just not. And I really, truly do not like it a lot. If I haven't proven that to you by talking about it for five minutes. Um, so let's get into bench coach Brett's, uh, notes about it. Um, Men's baseball was rocked by a bombshell report in the athletic this week, which by the way, please subscribe to the athletic. I'm sure they're getting tons of subscriptions. Please do that because they're doing really great reporting. And, um, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, a bombshell report in the athletic this week in which Oakland pitcher Mike fears revealed that the 2017 Astros used a center field camera feed in a monitor near the dugout to steal and relay signs. That report has since been substantiated by other investigative studies into the Astros games from that year. I would also say that the reason why they were investigating the Astros to begin with, to even find this out is because of Brandon Taubman's absolutely despicable conduct the Sunday night that the Astros won the ALCS, which then got him fired five days too late. But I will say that that was also disgusting. I mean, there's just like, there was a lot of behavior in this club that I really disagreed with and really disliked. And it was stacking up and it was beginning to smell pretty bad. And once if, if you can wrap your head around this thing, you start to realize, oh, if they'll do anything to win, they'll do anything to win. So you see a team saying, okay, sure, Brandon Taubman, you think the best way to go is to get a base bargain basement deal on a guy who's serving a 75-game suspension, the longest game suspension in domestic violence uh, like history of the rule in MLB MLB who's serving it because the MLB did their own investigation. Now has, was he proven guilty in a court of law? No, but the MLB saw it fit to hand down a 75 game suspension to somebody based on the evidence they were given, which we don't know what it is, but they got evidence 
from that incident from the police. And that's what they came up with. So I'm ceding my information to the MLB who gave out, who meted out that, that uh, punishment to him. And Taubman and then the Astros saw an opportunity there to hire somebody for cheap for the postseason run. And they didn't want to suffer the consequences of doing that. They felt themselves above that. At least Brandon Taubman did. And they didn't want to address it. And they didn't, it was convenient to have the zero tolerance uh, when they got caught on tape with somebody in their organization throwing his girlfriend down the stairs and glad those guys on camera said they zero tolerance. He should never touch a baseball again. But then all of a sudden Osuna slightly different situation, not caught on tape. And also there's nothing they can do about it. Now they got to fall in line and they don't really have that opinion anymore. And I found that to be one of the things that I started to to not respect those guys as much. So they hire this domestic abuser and then it makes absolute sense that a team or an organization that would be comfortable with that would be comfortable with cheating on this level and they would have an argument for why it's okay. And that is kind of what it's like now. I mean, I think it's always been like this. I was having a conversation about how I was like, People don't get, I forget exactly what I said, but uh, the person who is much wiser than me said, yeah, people are paying attention. It's just nobody's doing anything about it. And like, they're caught. This is a huge scandal. I feel like it is a scandal on the level of the, the Black Sox. And like, that happened. They got caught. That was it. That was the end. Everybody agreed. And we just didn't know when people didn't agree, but like history and even the moment was like, oh yeah, you don't do this. So this is not happening. And they've gone down in infamy now, but I don't know if, if the same thing's going to happen to the Astros. And I think this is a bigger deal because I think the effect is bigger because they won. They didn't throw the world series to lose and make some money. They're, they're basically doing it in reverse. Like if, if, if the only thing that happens to them is they lose two draft picks and they have to pay $3 million, literally any team would pay that for a world series trophy and a banner in their stadium. Don't you think? I think so. It's pretty cheap. Actually. It's a pretty cheap world series. But to me, I think the bigger, something that's getting lost in here that I think is very important in the at least in the conversation to keep in mind because everybody's like oh it's sour grapes you're just jealous you lost blah 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 whatever and sure you can have that opinion but something else that Mike Fears brought up is the reason why he told the teams that he then found himself with the Tigers right and then the Athletics is because his fellow pitchers who are coming up from the minor leagues and making their debuts against the Astros were only going an inning, two innings, having their careers ruined, having their careers ruined because of what was going on, because they were getting rocked. Think about that. Think about the effect that that has on a, on a person, not just the world series shit. Think about the effect. Like 
did did these guys like did Bregman did Al because Altuve did it too. Did George Springer do they give a shit about the game of baseball or do they just care about winning the at bat and winning the World Series and and being the best of the best? And you're not the best of the best if you're cheating to do it. And how do you sleep at night when you know that you you didn't outsmart them, that you were cheating, and now everybody knows? But how did you sleep at night? How did you sleep at night? Ugh, I just, it just makes me sick. And did you even think about these pitchers? And I'm not saying like, oh, we have to all like, it's a sport and it's a competition. I'm not saying don't compete. Don't cheat. There are guys who lost their careers probably because of this shit. And that's despicable. It's not the game. Huh. So, yeah, the the reason why they're even looking into this is because Brandon Tomlin opened his big mouth and was a shithead to some people. And like, I just, you know, people were saying at the time, like, this is this is a clubhouse issue and this could just be the front office. I'm not talking always about the players, but there were whispers of that. And there, it, I think that this is also pretty damning of the the way that the Astros are perceived in the league and the way that they treat other teams. And like, just how, I don't know, this sheds a lot, a different light on Garrett Cole's like post game interview. Like, Holy shit. Am I curious if that guy, where that guy ends up and what he ends up saying, you know, cause like, wow, it's a lot. It's, it, it keeps happening every day. And, uh, please hire me to write the show when it, you know, the, the mini series on HBO or whatever. Um, that report has since been substantiated by other investigative studies into Astros games from that year, including John Boy Media, the network behind the podcast Talking Yankees and Talking Baseball. They specifically followed up on the allegation that the Astros used a banging sound in the dugout to indicate pitch types. John Boy published a vi- video from 2017 of Houston DH Evan Gaddis batting against the Chicago White Sox in which you can clearly hear a banging sound every time White Sox pitcher Danny Farquhar is about to throw a changeup. When he throws a fastball, no banging sound. There are also other videos of Springer, of Bregman with the whistles. There's, it's, it's very obvious. It's very obvious. It's incredibly obvious. They, essentially, what they were doing was they had an outfield camera that it was an illegal camera because every camera in... Uh, an MLB ballpark is supposed to be on an eight second delay to prevent stuff like this. So they had an outfield camera that was feeding into an LED, uh, a screen that was in the dugout hallway in between the dugout and the workout rooms, um, which there's a trash can right by it. And you, the picture of it, the side of the trash can speed to shit. You can see it. It's right there. It's right there. And multiple players have substantiated this. Uh, following this report, the MLB has launched a full-scale investigative report that is expected to extend beyond the 2017 Houston Astros to determine whether other teams, including the 2019 Astros, used technology to aid hitters, sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. The initial stages of the investigation have already begun, sources said, with league personnel contacting people from both the Astros and the Boston Red Sox organizations Wednesday. Now, again, this sounds like sour Dodgers grapes, 
But it just so happens that the Dodgers got to the World Series both of those years, and those two teams were in the World Series. And, like, look, man, it's just the truth. You can see it, and it's on video. Because the the other reason they're looking at the Boston Red Sox is because Alex Cora is definitely involved in this. The league is attempting to cull tangible evidence from front offices and teams around the game about others cheating and has indicated it will consider levying long suspensions against interviewees who are found to have lied, sources said. I hope that they provide amnesty for those who tell the truth because when you're only talking about punishing people, people don't want to come forward. Uh, Among those the league plans to interview in its investigation are Astros manager A.J. Hinch, Red Sox manager Alex Cora, and New York Mets manager Carlos Beltran. Convenient. Sources said, The three were part of the 27 Astros championship team. Hinch, the manager, Cora, the bench coach, and Beltran, a player. It, It has been said that a player who was having hitting problems is the one that came into the Astros. Uh... Brought this plan over from another team, so who knows what other team that is, and that it was essentially Beltran and Cora putting this whole system together. Uh, The penalties for illegal activity are determined by Commissioner Rob Manfred, though if the league can prove wrongdoing, the severity could be unlike anything seen in the sport's recent history, sources said. The heaviest penalty assessed to a team during Manfred's tenure was a $2 million fine and the forfeiture of two top draft picks by the St. Louis Cardinals in January 2017 for a scheme in which they stole scouting information from the Astros' computerized database. The Cardinals' scouting director, Chris Correa, of all names, was banned for life from the sport and went to prison. So the first part of that fine, I think, is minimal when you look at the damage and Uh, all of this, when you look at the fact that you've got a World Series championship, an ALCS championship, a division series in here, you've got MVPs, you've got all kinds of shit wrapped up in all of this cheating, in all of this sign stealing, in all of it. Um, And the Astros losing this year does not prove to me that it didn't work. And I'll get to that in a second. I, tr- I This is my opinion, and this is not me speaking as a Dodger fan. This is me speaking as a fan of baseball. I I don't think this is what's going to happen, but I I think that if they don't if if they do anything short of at least putting in asterisks by the 2017 World Champions, no one's going to care. I just don't. That is honestly the only punishment that would stop any of this from happening and have any of these people feel as though it wasn't worth it. Because if you are still World Series champions in 2017 and we'll also say 2018 because Alex Cora is part of this, if 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 all all is fine right there, because look at what the asterisk did to uh, Roger Maris and look at what it's done to somebody like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. Well, it hasn't really happened to Mark McGuire and, uh, Pete Rose. Like these things have had an effect, even though we're talking about bringing Pete Rose back into the fold and he's been on TV and not anymore, but like, look at what it does. And that is the only thing that I think would make any change happen in this aspect of the sport. 
Because I think that the Astros did this and they told themselves, well, everybody else is doing it, so we might as well be the best at it. So if you win a World Series with that mentality and that is not taken away from you, nobody's going to care and they're just going to try to be the best at this too. I just don't think that anything short of that is really going to matter because these are billion-dollar corporations and $2 million is nothing. It's nothing. But $2 million for uh, scouting information, that, to me, seems pretty accurate because scouting information is a lot different than a pitch-by-pitch sign-stealing scheme that was employed for entire seasons and in the postseason and in the World Series. Those are two very different things. So I just think... If this does not levy the biggest punishment of all time, then then baseball is, like, tainted. And it's already tainted. Like, I'm not naive. I know they're using pine tar. I know they're using the... Pine tar versus knowing every single pitch that's coming at you? Very different. Fucking very different. And if you d- disagree with me, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. You're just wrong. I wish that I could give you my opinion on this if it was a team that I truly loved, I wish I could. I mean, I think that I would not be a fan of that team anymore. I'm not a fan of the, I've had, I've had to do that with other issues. I, I, there, I grew up with a team that I cannot love because of the thing that they do, because it's, it's wrong to me. And this is wrong to me. This is wrong. It's just wrong. I don't know what else there is to say about it other than it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And like, how long, especially now, how long are we just going to let it go? How long are we just going to let the, I don't know, branding of it all of the like, well, everybody else is doing it or she did it. So I'm going to do it. It's like, how long are we going to live our lives like that? You know, how long is that going to be the way we operate? I don't know, maybe forever, but I think it's, awful. I think it's despicable. I think it really, it really changes the way that I, I was already like, I don't know about all this stuff. And then now I'm just like, Oh no, thank you. And it's not about being right, but it's about knowing that I was right about the way I felt and nobody else has to feel that way. But my feelings and my intuition on it were right. Did I know it was exactly this? No, but I knew something was up. And I didn't like it. And it was this. So to just briefly speak about the Nationals being able to defeat this, um, there was a great piece, I think, also in the athletics, in the athletic about, about the strategy that the Nationals pitchers employed, which was, and it's so complex, I can't even, I've read it twice and I still couldn't even really, couldn't even really tell you about it. It's basically, they had like five different, uh, sign systems and then they would have audibles within those like an out plus one so however many outs there were you would add one and then that would be the pitch you were going to throw like they were constantly I mean if you if you go back and watch the games Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki both had like quarterback wristbands with all the different signs on them and then the pitchers had cards in their hats it was so complex because it's too much to memorize um, and I mean 
you know, the Astros took three at home from the nationals. Like, how do I explain that? I don't, I don't know. I didn't watch any of those games cause I was traveling so I could have a theory or not, but like it does explain why the Astros couldn't win at home. Cause they, I mean, they couldn't use their system. And then the, I don't know, the nationals are all uh, super amped when they're at home. Cause it's the first time as this franchise that they exist, exist as that they've had the world series in Washington and it was just too hard and they matched up with too many good pitchers. I don't know. Your Quiddy pitched a really great game of what I saw. So maybe, I don't know. Doesn't mean they didn't do this and doesn't mean this wasn't bad. Just because they lost this World Series doesn't mean it, it wasn't wrong. You know, somebody else is using that line for like every every wrongdoing, he's, every crime he's committed and attempted it's like, well, it didn't work, so it's not a crime. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how that's how it works for rich people, but that's not how it works. It's not how it's supposed to work. So, like, I just I really like woof, you know? Uh and also I wish I wish that domestic violence rocked the baseball world as much as sign stealing did. I wish people cared, and people do, and I appreciate all of you. I wish people cared about domestic violence as, as much as they do about sign stealing in baseball. But I also understand our capacity for things are different, but both are bad. Both are bad. And one team is doing both of them right now. And it's gross. And if they're not going to put the asterisk in, then I am myself. Cause it's just like, it's bad. And if the Dodgers did it, I would feel the same. Cause I don't, I, I don't like to cheat. I don't like to cheat. Why, why, why would you cheat? You're you you spent your whole life. This is what you've wanted to do your whole life. This is what your whole life has been spent to do. And you cheat and you cheat. Ugh. It's disgusting. So wrap up this episode with something a little less disgusting. Let's round up these awards. I'm not going to go super deep into these awards, like all the, the votes who got what and blah, blah, blah. I do think that they should change the voting somehow because I think a lot of this is just maybe, especially for the managers, like they maybe need to have two rounds of voting or something. Cause it's, uh, honestly, some of these are ridiculous. Um, so the NL Cy Young Award goes to Jacob DeGrom, which, hey, that kind of seemed like it was going to happen. The New York Mets ace Jacob DeGrom was named the National League Cy Young Award winner Wednesday, receiving 29 of 30 first place votes. The right-hander is the seventh NL pitcher to win the award at least two years in a row, along with Randy Johnson, Tim Lincecum, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Greg Maddox, and Sandy Koufax. Those are some names. He also uh, is the third pitcher to win is it rookie and also Cy Young? Anyway, I don't care. Honestly, I do care, but I don't. Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Hinjun Ryu, the major league ERA leader, finished second in voting and was the only other player to receive a first place vote. Three-time Cy Young winner Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals was third. Um, I think Strasburg had a really magnificent campaign. I think even better than Scherzer, but whatever. Um, 
On May 17th, DeGrom allowed nine hits and seven runs in five innings in a loss to the Marlins. The reigning Cy Young winner was nine starts into his season, and he was 3-5 and five with a 3.98 ERA. DeGrom kicked back into his 2018 form and posted a 1.89 ERA the rest of the season to finish 11-8 and eight with a 2.43 ERA and a league-leading 255 strikeouts in 204 innings. It was pretty much his to win. Uh, unfortunately, Ryu had injuries that perhaps kept him from winning that Cy Young Award. Uh, the AL Cy Young Award winner is, surprisingly to me, Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros, which these awards, again, are a little, for me, in question because of the sign-stealing stuff that's going on. And I think Cole was robbed on this. He didn't lose a game. Uh, he didn't lose a game since May. And I just think that, yeah, I don't, whatever. Okay. Uh, Verlander received 17 first place votes compared to 13 for Cole and balloting by the baseball writers association of America, Tampa Bay Rays righty Charlie Morton finished third a year after leaving Houston in free agency Verlander, who's 36, which is a year younger than me became the 20th pitcher to win multiple Cy Young awards. He won in 2011 with Detroit after a season for which he also took home AL MVP honors. Since then, he'd been a runner-up three times. The eight years between Cy Young wins is the longest span in the history of the award. Verlander went 21-6 and while leading the AL in wins and innings pitched at 223. He finished second to Cole in ERA at 2.58 and strikeouts at 300. I think that Garrett Cole was robbed. Honestly, I think Verlander gets a lot of credit for being the guy that he is, you know, and I, I just, that I don't, there's nothing more to that. I don't have any specifics. I think people like him and they vote for him. And I think that if you put this to the batters, I think that Cole would have won in a landslide. I know Verlander threw another no hitter. I, I don't think that's what the Cy Young is about. I think Garrett Cole threw a campaign the likes of which we have not seen really in a while. And uh, I think he was robbed. It, it, it was his award, truly. Um, he didn't lose a game since May. You know, he didn't lose a game since May. <clears throat> the National League Rookie of the Year goes to Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. Alonzo received 29 of 30 first place votes for the award uh, with Mike Soroka of the Atlanta team receiving the lone holdout. Soroka finished in second place, and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres finished third. Probably would have been further up there if he hadn't suffered those injuries he had. A lot of injuries in the NL this year. Alonzo's historic performance came in an erratic season for the Mets, who missed the playoffs for the third straight year despite outstanding individual performances. His 53 home runs surpassed Aaron Judge's rookie record of 52 for the Yankees in 2017, and he became the first rookie to lead the majors outright in homers. Listen to that again. He became the first rookie to lead the majors outright in homers. Fantastic. As a rookie in 1987, Mark McGuire hit 49 and shared the lead with the Cubs' Andre Dawson. 
In addition, Alonzo led all rookies in games played with 161, runs batted 120 on base percentage plus slugging, which was .941, slugging at .583, extra base hits at 85, runs scored at 103, walks at 72, and total bases at 348. Having majored in history at the University of Florida, Alonzo also expressed an appreciation for his place in the record book. Bench coach Brett, I love you. Remember that night that Vladimir Guerrero hit like 60 home runs and then Pete Alonzo hit 20 and he won the, the home run derby? I mean, I like the polar bear. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, the setup of that game was not conducive to Vladimir Guerrero at all. Also, Jock Peterson hit like 54 home runs in a night. That's some crazy shit, man. What a year in baseball. And the American League Rookie of the Year goes to Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. Again, slightly shadowy because he's a batter. How many of the pitches that he broke records with did he know were coming in? Uh, Alvarez was a unanimous selection of the 30 voters. Baltimore Orioles pitcher John Means finished second with Rays second baseman Brandon Lowe. Brandon Lowe in third. White Sox outfielder Eloy Jimenez fourth and Blue Jays second baseman Kevon Biggio in fifth. Alvarez didn't debut until June 9th, but in just 87 games, he hit 27 home runs with 78 RBI. He hit 313 with a 412 on base percentage and 655 slugging percentage. Among those with at least 300 plate appearances, the only players with a higher OPS than Alvarez's 1.067 mark were MVP finalists Christian Yelich at 1.1 and Mike Trout at 1.083. We have since declared those MVPs, which I'll get to in just a second. I mean, Alvarez's performance was stunning. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen. But again, because he's a batter, how many of those pitches did he have a completely unfair advantage on? It's unfortunate because I want to express appreciation for what these guys have done in their seasons. But now I'm like, I I don't know, because you cheated. Because your team's cheating, man. It's hard to say. Uh... So let's get into the, I don't have the stats. I don't have the stats for the MVP because it was announced as I was, uh, as bench coach Brett was writing out all these notes. Uh, Cody Bellinger wins the NL MVP. Christian Yelich came in second. Christian Yelich doesn't get hurt in those last three weeks. He's probably the MVP. Cody had a wonderful season and fell flat in the postseason again. It's unfortunate and it was sad to see. And again, this is all just on regular season. Yelich had a, a record-breaking season, but those last three re- weeks, it just, he didn't do it. And then Mike Trout wins another MVP. It's Mike Trout, man. I do think I, you know, I'm going to keep quoting this talking baseball podcast because I listen to it, that a lot of these people vote because they want the truth to be the truth. And that's not to say that, Mike Trout didn't have an MVP season. It's just like they want the hard evidence that they're seeing the historical player right now. And like, I don't disagree, but I also think Trout is a stud and I hate to use that phrase, but it's true. Um, so maybe we'll dig a little bit more into the MVP voting next time. Cause I just don't have the stats. 
Uh, so NL manager of the year is Mike Schilt of the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals manager Mike Schilt was named the 2019 National League manager of the year on Tuesday night. Brewers manager Craig Council finished second in the voting and Atlanta manager Brian Snitker finished third. Schilt won manager of the year despite receiving fewer first place votes than Council. I think this is wrong and it shouldn't work this way. He received 10 first place votes while Council received 13 Schilt received more second place votes, 14 to six, however, and narrowly won the award. That makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. I think you get more first place votes, you win the award. Uh, Schilt is the first manager of the year winner in history to have never played baseball professionally. He played in college and shared his career as a scout started, excuse me, started his career as a scout before moving into the coaching ranks in 2004, gradually moving up the minor league ladder. Schilt is the eighth manager to win the award, despite having never played in the big leagues. I want everyone to remember this when anybody opens their mouth and says that a softball player can't do play-by-play or can't comment on baseball because they've never played the game, because it's just not true, and it's bullshit, and it's misogyny. Not that I don't think Mike Schilt can't manage a team. Clearly, you can manage a National League team without playing in the majors. It's true. So just because a person hasn't played in the majors or played, it's just not true. So keep that in mind. Um, I think Council was robbed. No shade to Schilt. I think he took a team and he made them into something that they weren't the year before. So I think he was a fantastic manager, but I think Craig Council did a better job. Uh, And then the AL manager of the year, is also just a weird, I think, I I, I don't know about, Rocco Baldelli of the Minnesota Twins. I think that Aaron Boone was robbed. I think Kevin Cash was robbed. Oof, I just think, yeah, this was not, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on the Twins or anything, but like they, he didn't have to do anything. I just don't think it was, I think this was a pity prize. And that's unfortunate. Minnesota Twins manager Rocco Baudelli was named 2019 American League Manager of the Year on Tuesday night. He beat out Yankees manager Aaron Boone, the runner-up, and third-place finisher Kevin Cash of the Rays. I think both of those managers did a lot more. Even I mean, even the Yankees are the Yankees. Everyone was hurt, and he, he pulled it together. The Twins won 101 games this past season, their most since 1965, as well as their first AL Central title since 2010. Valdelli just completed his first season as a major league manager after being hired away from Cash's coaching staff last offseason. I just think, I mean, no, this is not shade to this guy. I just don't think he, I think Boone or Cash win this award, personally. Um, So I just think, not, not, not my choices, necessarily. I also think like as much as I blame Dave Roberts for postseason problems, that's not what manager of the year is for. It's for the regular season. And I think that Dave Roberts was robbed. He, uh, the Dodgers had a tremendous campaign this year. He should have at least been in the top three. Um, so yeah, that's the episode. Big, big talks about this. I'm hoping to have a guest on to talk more about the scandal of it all, because I would love to have a conversation about it as opposed to me just spouting off. So uh, that's hopefully in the works. And like I said, the episodes are going to be bi-weekly probably. Um, so please keep tuning in. Hopefully that allows for me to have the episodes, uh, post before the weekend as opposed to on the weekend. So thanks to everybody who's still listening, even though it's not happening at an opportune time, if that is the case, I appreciate you. 
Um, and just to let everybody know, I'm in Sacramento right now, and there's a few tickets left for the 10 p.m. shows Friday and Saturday. I don't know if you'll hear this in time for Friday, but Saturday, probably. I'll also be in Washington, D.C. at the Draft House uh, December 6th and 7th. So please come out to Nationals fans who also share some of my views. Come out to those shows. Um, I would love to see you. And then uh, in January, I will be at San Francisco Sketch Fest on the 18th again. I'm excited about that. And then the following weekend, which I believe starts on the 25th, I'll be in Toronto. So those dates have been rescheduled. Um, and your tickets, I believe, are still valid. So if you still have that, then you can come to those shows. There's going to be a bunch of shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be real cold. I can't wait. Um, so those are my shows so far. Please come to those shows. Um, it's how I make my living. Please support live comedy right now. Um, I'm also on a show called Good Trouble, and that's going to be coming out more episodes with my face in it. Uh, so please watch those and share it, and I'll I'll share those things. And um, yeah, uh, please keep listening to this podcast. I really enjoy it when you do. And uh, I love all the support of the show. It's been really wonderful. And some folks dressed up as me for Halloween. That was cool. I appreciate you. Um, and Astros fans, please don't hate me. I just don't like what this corporation is doing. And I hope you can understand that it's gross and that I don't think you're gross for loving your team. I get it. I've loved a team that has some gross things going on. So I understand. And I don't think you're bad people because you're not the ones stealing the signs. Um, so I love you. I, I love your city. I just don't like what that corporation is doing. So I hope you can understand that. And I appreciate you. Um, and I'm truly sorry that your team is doing this to you because it's really gross and I don't like it. Um, yeah, it's gross. I'm sorry about it. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about the podcast. Um, also send me your thoughts. Somebody told me I wanted to hear some thoughts on the minor league, uh, thin down. And I do want to get into that, but this episode is running pretty long. So I will do that next time. I promise because I, I have a lot of thoughts on it and I promise. So please come back. I promise to talk about those things, but keep sending me thoughts for the podcast. I really appreciated those today. Um, and like I said, tell a friend and as usual, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.